We Filipinos love rice. President Ferdinand R. Marcos Jr., who promised that he would lower the price of rice to 20 pesos per kilo during his campaign, has also assumed the post of Agriculture Secretary. In this B-side episode, Alice G. Laborte, a senior scientist at the International Rice Research Institute, or ERI, talks to Business World reporter Patricia B. Mirasol about all things rice and the advances in technology that can help answer the needs of the agriculture sector, which has been identified as an integral part of the Philippines' socioeconomic recovery. Good morning, uh, Dr. Laborte. Hi, good morning. I was actually on Facebook and I, you know, I was just doing my thing, scrolling through my newsfeed and someone mentioned that satellite data is being used for crop insurance. So maybe we can start by having you share a brief background about Erie and your work there. The International Rice Research Institute, or Erie, is an international organization dedicated to abolishing poverty and hunger among people and population that depend on rice-based agriculture food systems. So we do this through partnerships. Uh, we innovate, catalyze, uh, impact the scale, and contribute to transformation of rice-based agri-food systems with the aim of attaining equitable and sustainable rice uh, sector globally. Our headquarters is in the Philippines, in Los Baños, but we also have offices in uh, different countries and provide and conduct research on rice-based systems uh, in different countries. So the Philippines, of course, is our home institute. So here is where we have a lot of collaboration with the Department of Agriculture and also with other institutions such as the Philippine Rice Research Institute, the Bureau of Plant Industry, and, and so on. And may I ask about your specific work there in Erie? What do you do as it? I believe okay. you're the chief scientist. I'm a senior scientist. I lead the Spatial Transformation of Landscapes Research Unit at Erie. And I also uh, serve as ERI's research coordinator for the Philippines. So my research work centers on the use of geospatial information uh, to inform policy and decision making, and also uh, for research prioritization and targeting of technologies. How many rice varieties are there in the world? And how many rice varieties does ERI work on? There are quite a lot. I think in the Philippines, for example, there are over 200 varieties, but not all of them have been developed by ERI, but also with other institutions. And every year, we release several varieties that have a certain characteristics. So initially, the intention was to boost production, so a lot of yield enhancing, a lot of varieties dedicated towards uh, boosting yield. No? Um, recently, we've also included varieties that are climate resilient. So for example, these uh, flood-tolerant varieties that has been distributed in different countries. Also, uh, some drought-tolerant varieties, saline-tolerant varieties, uh, and so on. So there are uh, different varieties that have been developed as part of a research collaboration at ERI and with national partners. Earlier, you mentioned technologies. Could you please share a brief description of what the RIICE technology is and what it does? So the RIICE Technology, it actually stands for a rice-based information and insurance for crops in emerging economies. So RICE. This was a project funded by the Swiss Agency for Development Cooperation. And initially, we piloted the technology in 13 sites in South and Southeast Asia, representing diverse 
uh, rice cropping systems. So here we're using technologies like remote sensing, specifically satellite imagery, crop modeling, and smartphone-based surveys to map where rice areas are. And in addition, also look at when rice is planted and how much yield is produced. So information on when rice is planted is important because it gives us ahead of time, like if there is a potential shortfall in production. So for example, if the planting is late, then we would expect, of course, that the harvest will be late. This would cause implications, for example. And for importing countries like the Philippines, it would give information ahead of time. Importation would be needed to supplement uh, current supply. Yield, of course, is important because with the use of, of satellite imagery as well as crop modeling, we can know in advance what is the potential uh, harvest even before it ends. So the technology allows us to uh, have mid-season yield estimates as well as end-of-season yield estimates. And its advantage over statistics is that we can get data, we can get information to policymakers ahead of time because we don't need to wait for the actual harvest time to be able to estimate the yield. In the traditional method, you need the harvest to take place so that uh, you can deploy people to interview. You know? That's how the traditional process of getting statistics is. It has to end, and then farmers will be interviewed regarding their yield, and then the data would be processed to be able to provide that information. So we sort of take that route shorter with the use of this technology. The data can be available two months in advance, providing really accurate and timely information to those who need this kind of data. You shared that you piloted the technology in 13 sites in Southeast Asia. Can you mention some of these sites and when was the pilot? The pilot was conducted in 2013 to 2014 and this has been implemented in the Philippines. So there were three sites in the Philippines, in Nueva Ecija, Agusan, and in Leyte. And there are sites in Cambodia, in Indonesia, Thailand, and in Tamil Nadu in India. I wonder if there are any updates now on the RIICE technology. Like, for instance, it's, has it been scaled up in Cambodia, Indonesia, and Thailand? And how about here in the Philippines? The pilot was designed to show that the technology works in diverse conditions. And then there's a follow-up study uh, looking at scaling. So in the other countries, we did not go beyond the pilot phase, but particularly in Vietnam, Cambodia, in Tamil Nadu, um, there has been a continued application. And in Cambodia, it's already taken up. So the Ministry of Agriculture, Fishery, and Forestry has actually adopted the technology. So it's now transitioned beyond the research phase and they are using it particularly for crop insurance. In the case of Vietnam, it has also taken up. They also are using it. Uh, in Tamil Nadu, in the state, they have used it for crop insurance. Now, in the Philippines, the same technology already being operationalized and it's called PRISM in the Philippines. So that's the Philippine Rice Information System. So since mid-2018, it has transitioned from a research project into an operational system owned by the Department of Agriculture and managed by the Philippine Rice Research Institute. So it's operational, providing monthly data on rice area, mid-season yield estimates, and end-of-season yield estimates for the whole country, and also in the event of a flood and drought, providing 
damage assessments uh, to rice areas. So these uh, information are provided to the Department of Agriculture. They have a website. You can actually go to that. So there are publicly available data sets. If you would like to request additional data, you can go to the option on their website to be able to request additional information that are available online. So this is operational already in the Philippines, the provision of satellite-based uh, data. So the satellite-based rice monitoring system is already operational in the Philippines. And for the crop insurance, we work with insurance uh, providers in Cambodia and Vietnam to be able to extend that. So EERI is not uh, doing the insurance component, but essentially providing the data and working with insurance companies to develop insurance products that are based on satellite imagery. May I ask why you believe that the use of satellite data for crop insurance still has not been implemented here in the Philippines? We need to pilot it first because it would take a while for acceptance because it's a different way of doing things. The traditional crop insurance is if a farmer avails of an insurance product, if his field is damaged, then there will be agents that will be coming to observe, to look whether you know there's damage or not, and then the payout will be provided if damage is seen. With crop insurance, you can't do that individually. So the crop insurance product that we have is actually area yield index. So for the entire area, for example, in Cambodia, it's in a commune. It will look at the average historical average yield in the commune. And if for a particular year, the yield is much lower than that, then they will all get a payout. So regardless of whether the farmer actually has damage on a particular field or not, and that's how it works. Um, so it's a different way of looking at things. And so farmers have to be sensitized about this because its expectation may be different in that case. Um, but the, the good thing about the satellite-based insurance is the early payout that is possible. So we've seen that, for example, in Tamil Nadu, India, uh, where RISE contributed to early payout in the government insurance scheme. So there was this 2016-2017 severe drought. So what the RICE team there did was to show like this area, this same time last year is already planted with rice. And this year, only this much area were planted with rice. And as a result of that, they were able to identify which areas were not able to plant rice as a result of the drought. And they were given payouts early. Now, so such information makes it very visible and transparent and the provision of information comes in very early. And as you know, for example, if a farmer had suffered damages as a result of, you know, typhoon or drought, it could completely wipe out the field. And so that he would not have any money. And the early payout would be very useful because if it's early on in the season, then he can still replant. And of course, that would he would need money to do that, right? So if the early payout happens, then he can uh, still save the season and continue planting. And of course, even if the season is in the middle and he cannot replant anymore, usually farmers borrow money. So they will be able to repay them with the early payout that are provided to them. My initial impression is that Cambodia's system is more effective and more efficient than ours because they pay out their insurance or their indemnities based on the historical average commune and not on, a, they don't do that on a per 
farmer basis. So this that. one is based on the pilot. So they're testing that. As I mentioned, it's still not widely adopted, at least for the insurance, but it's getting there. And the good thing about this is that the private sector is interested. So they are interested to use the technology and scale this up. And to scale such technologies, you need to make things work on the ground. And so, as I mentioned, the technology can be great, but if you really want to get this adopted widely, you need to make sure that the farmers are aware of the technology. And that also involves a lot of work. So what I'm hearing is that there needs to be widespread awareness among the farming community. And then they, there needs to also be an appreciation and acceptance of the technology. And then afterwards, you need to bring in private partners to be able to utilize this, this technology. So how do smallholder Filipino farmers come into the picture? Um, so there are two things through insurance, as I mentioned earlier, is that you can have early payouts if it's satellite-based. But another usefulness to smallholder farmers is the better targeting of technologies. So for example, as part of Prism in the Philippines, uh, they are mapping areas affected by flood. Every time there's a typhoon coming, they will make an assessment of how much areas are going to be potentially affected. And then when the typhoon hit the country, they will also make an assessment of how much areas are damaged. So based on 2014 to 2014 to up to now data, so several typhoons have been assessed and PRISM was able to identify where are the flood-prone rice areas. And so these are areas where productivity-enhancing technologies are needed and also where these flood-tolerant rice varieties are needed. So that such kind of information would be useful for farmers to get the programs that they need. For example, where yields are low, then this can be targeted for productivity-enhancing technologies. Where areas are prone to, say, flood, then these are areas where the government should target this flood-tolerant variety. So they will be recipients of better technologies or better uh, programs that are targeted to their specific needs. So such information would help them in terms of getting that kind of support from the government. You mentioned drought-resistant and flood-resistant varieties earlier. May we uh, talk about that a bit? Ely has already created varieties that are climate resilient, flood tolerant, and drought tolerant, and saline tolerant. Could you, you know, could you share the latest varieties that Ely has developed? There is a project here at Ely, and together with the Philippine Rice Research Institute and the University of the Philippines, and this is funded by the DA Bureau of Agricultural Research, essentially looking at uh, varieties and developing varieties uh, suited to needs in the Philippines. As you know, farming is a very risky business and with uh, climate change, we expect more intense um, rainfall, higher temperatures, and also sea level rise. So these uh, particular varieties that have tolerance to these stresses would be useful so that farmers will be able to continue farming. And will the Department of Agriculture collaborate with, let's say, farmer cooperatives to make the prices of these drought-tolerant, saline-tolerant varieties affordable? 
Um, I think the seed systems in the Philippines should be strengthened to be able to provide these technologies. There are already uh, varieties that are out in the market and uh, Phil Rice is very active also in uh, developing such varieties. Last July 10, the South China Morning Post published an article that said that Asia is facing a rice crisis and that of all the countries in the continent, it's only China and India, which are the continent's top producers, that will be insulated from this crisis. What do you think? Is Asia indeed facing a rice crisis and how can we surpass this? I'm not sure about the rice crisis, but at the moment, if you look at the market, the fertilizer prices are very high. It's, I think, almost triple since last year. And that's because of the situation in Ukraine, also because of our exchange rates changed a lot. And since we import these fertilizers, uh, so of course the price is very high. And we see that happening in the Philippines that there will be less production. We anticipate that because of the very high fertilizer prices, of course, farmers either don't grow or apply less fertilizers. So with less fertilizers, you will have less yield. So that's the expectation, at least for the year, that could happen if there are no subsidies or programs that will be in place to help farmers during this very unusual situation that is happening, not only in the Philippines, but this is also elsewhere. With climate change, there will be a lot of intense and frequent rainfalls, and that affects our production also. So we have to make production systems more resilient for farmers with varieties uh, that could cushion the effect of such calamities. You mentioned importing fertilizers, and that reminded me of some of the comments I see a lot on social mm-hmm. media. The number one question I see is that how come we are an importing country? I mean, we consume a lot of rice, and yet we import a lot of rice. Is it even realistic to think that we can eventually produce enough rice to feed our people? There are two things to that. It's the supply and the demand. So if your population is growing, so you have more mouths to feed, so then you need more rice to produce if you want to be self-sufficient. And on the supply side, if you look at the countries, archipelagic, right? You look at Thailand, you look at Vietnam, you look at Cambodia, they're landlocked and it's easier to irrigate. For example, they have, you have the Mekong Delta because they're all contiguous, right? You have the Philippines, if you put an irrigation system in the north, that will not be available to the islands, for example. Our geography actually limits also the type to irrigate the entire country would also mean that you will have to put several of these irrigation systems elsewhere. Also, we are prone to typhoons. So the country is visited by on the average 20 typhoons. And of course, this affects our production. You have typhoons that affects, uh, sometimes you have losses as a result of that. And to be able to produce enough rice, then we have to drastically transform our uh, production systems. Because at the moment, we're not competitive with our regional ASEAN neighbors in terms of rice production. And one of the things that came out of the study uh, conducted by Erie and Phil Rice is that we are more labor-intensive, we're less mechanized. Uh, and as a result, the cost of production is much higher compared to our neighboring countries. So it is cheaper to import in a sense. So what we need to do is to improve our production systems, boost the yield, and look at mechanization. And I think that's 
also one of the things that the government is looking at and to make sure that we reduce the cost of producing rice because at the moment uh, it's not competitive with our uh, ASEAN uh, neighbors. Is there anything else you would like to share for our audience? At Erie, we are working with the government to innovate and look at the production systems to make them more efficient and contribute to the goals of boosting production and making sure that we are helping farmers also become resilient in the face of climate change. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Alice G. Laborte, a senior scientist at the International Rice Research Institute, or ERI, talking to Business World reporter Patricia B. Mirasol about satellite technology and how it can make our farming industry more resilient, especially in the face of climate change. This episode was recorded remotely in July 2022. It was produced by Earl R. Lagundino and me, Samuel Marcelo. Thanks for listening.